Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee and occasionally wine. Well, often wine. Well, get some wine. And talking about anything and everything. We may use explicit language and we will almost certainly drop the F bombs. But none of that is the point or drive of the content, so consider us PG 13. There will be rants and raves and occasional readings. There will be conflicting creative advice given by at least three utterly disparate points of view. Your hosts today are Chaz Brenchley, John Schmidt, and Jeannie Warner. Also joining us is Judith Sapizi and Karen Brenchley. This is Episode 9, Anthologies and Collections and KPIs. Oh my. Uh, I'm going to correct her. Judith, you can correct his Judith Zepeshi, right? Zepeshi. Zepeshi. Sorry. That's what we get for that Hungarian. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you both for joining us again. I I invited our crew back because we uh, wanted to talk about anthologies and collections and KPIs. And I love the fact that I had to describe what the heck I meant by a KPI. What the heck do you mean by a KPI? (laughs) Why? I mean by KPI is a key performance indicator. How do you know you're on the right track? If you have decided that Somewhere here in my the middle years of my life, I want to be a professional writer like Chaz, and I somehow didn't get started when I was 18. Sorry. Yeah. How do I do it now? How do I find out? How do I know that I'm winning? So we'll talk about that towards the end if we get time to it. Let's start at the beginning. An anthology versus a collection. These are two different things, and I learned something a couple minutes ago when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today. Uh, Enlighten us about the difference between an anthology and a collection there. Okay. Um, An anthology is a number of stories put together in a single volume, generally by one editor or a couple, Um, but they are stories written by a variety of different authors. Um, A collection is an accumulation of stories by a single writer over time, which again is put together into a single volume with or without an editor. He said, smiling at his wife, who has most recently been his editor. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a, your own collection? Well, so so for Ch- Chaz um, has published several books with Leafy, Leafy Press. Um, who is uh, owned by Steve Berman, who's, um, and Steve has been saying to Chaz for years and years, Chaz, Chaz, um, will you please do a collection? And Chaz has been saying, I don't know what he said, but he has not done the collection. And so he moved. I said, yes, yes. And then I didn't do it. Yes. Yes. So anyway, so he moved here to the United States. He brought, what, 125 boxes, and 120 of them were full of books, and a big chunk of those books were written by him. And I said, well, Chaz, Chaz, why don't we actually um, do this? I can I can look. I'll read through all the stories. I'll do a spreadsheet. I'll, I will even keep track how many words, where it first <laughs> appeared, you know, all that kind of stuff. I will do this. And then I started, and, and I started going through this and sorting them into, into, um, which one should actually belong in this kind of 
anthology. Okay. Collection. Don't my collection. collection. I'm sorry. I, I, I want to be specifically on this yeah. because like I said, yeah. this is something that I had been messing up yeah. basically until yeah. today. Well, so see, see, everybody today. messes it up until they meet me. Uh, I'm then, but yeah, well, continue no, I met to mess you it up and you tell them they're wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just met, well, there's, there's other things too. I mean, as I getting the theory that there can be a collection of stories that are a certain way that have many of the qualities of an anthology, like these are all of my songs or these are all of my, my stories about drinking wine or yeah, these totally. are all my stories um, about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, themes, you can have themed collections as you have themed anthologies. Well, um, there's also within his thing, there were sub-themed. I mean, you could have had like sub-collections. You could have had three different collections of his stories because he has a series um, of stories about uh, a, an old friend of his who died slowly over time that he and his friends took care of, ghost stories. He had a, a pirate through the ages series of stories. He had, you know, these, these themes. Well, sort of like Shannon McGuire then did for uh, The Sparrow Hero Road. I, I read it the first time and I was so deeply jealous that it was like like Thieves' World. Remember good old Thieves' yes. World, Robert yeah. Lynn Asprin? She created her own Thieves' World because in this book it seemed that she created a world and, uh, you know, what happens after die if you die, after death if you die on a road and the road witches and oh. all of this. And they were a bunch of stories written in her own little world. So she was like dancing through the puddles of her own mind in a way that made me deeply, deeply jealous of like, wait a second, I could totally do that with, you know. Well, of course you could. Why, why, why doesn't everybody? Well, not everyone's Shonen. So, not I mean, everyone that's, is Shonen, but, but we can, you know, we can aspire. We, we can, can aspire. aspire. We can yeah, aspire. Yeah, her production, Shonen, we all admire how quickly you write. It's, um, 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 she writes 7,000 words a day and we yeah. are not envious at all. Yeah, yeah. Patrick McLean wrote a collection of, he actually started as a podcast, which I think is awesome, mm -hmm. but he wanted to make himself write more. So he decided to take a podcast and say, I'm going to tell a new story every week. And every single week, he released a story that he read. Okay. I, I, and I, and I read it online. And then he took those, he took some of the best of those 52, let's just say that again, 52 short stories he that he wrote in a year. Right. Yeah. And he turned them into a book, okay. and he calls them stories I told myself. Okay, nice. And and again, it's I love Patrick McLean so very deeply okay. um, for all of this, but some of them were just anecdotally. Mm. I met a man walking down the street who was, do and I imagined all of this about him. Some of it was fantasy. Some of it was he did a great bank robber book, and so he he blurs. He's. Sure. I, I got to the end of a book and I couldn't quite tell, was this one of those supernatural or not supernatural? And I love that I don't know. Mm -hmm. But he also wrote like Confessions of a, yeah. no, no, that was in Confessions of a Vampire. I'll, I'll look it up and I'm going to put it in there because they're absolutely wonderful books to read. Can, 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 I, can yeah. I have a divagation here? Um, I once wrote a, I was invited to write a story for a fantasy collection. Um, and I wrote a story for a fantasy collection. It was totally a fantasy world. It was not this world at all. Does that make it an anthology if you were one? Yeah. Okay. It was It was a fantasy <laughs> anthology. Okay. Um, and I was invited to contribute. And I contributed. And the editor said, Chas, Chas, I love this story, but there isn't any magic in it. And I said, no, there isn't any magic in it. Um, and... 
why would there have to be? You know, a fantasy does not necessarily imply magic. Um, and 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 she said, well, actually, my publisher is kind of insisting that there should be a magical element because she thinks that fantasy demands a magical element. So I, I inserted a magical element and all was fine. But then when I put the story into um, the collection that my, my, my lovely wife edited, um, I took the magic out again because I preferred it that way. And I don't see why fantasy has to include magic. I, but that's a divagation. We can talk about that on a whole another episode. <laughs> what, is, what is fantasy and what is not exactly. fantasy? Well, how, how do you decide what goes in as an editor then? Well, what it, what it comes down to is, again, looking at the audience, okay? The, um, it's not necessarily what I personally would necessarily like, okay? And it's also for a collection. He's been writing since he's 18. That's several several decades worth of work. Okay? I thought you were going to say several years ago. Yeah, several yeah. weeks. Anyway. Anyway. But so, and, and like I said, there were, there were clumps within it that went together and, um, and then, and, and just things that rose to the top. I also have a whole another set that could be another collection mm -hmm. in a slightly different, um, just general science fiction mm -hmm. fantasy. And then, then you go through and say, okay, how do these go together? Okay, like I said, there's there's clumps, there's a couple of clumps, but then there's the stories that aren't. How do you put them in? What order do you put them in? And I will say, I had my order, and I like Steve Berman's better, so that's what we went with, um, oddly enough. Oh, by the way, Chaz's collection is called Bitter Waters. Yep. Bitter and it, Waters. And it won the Lambda Award for and, that year. And it won the Lambda Award for that year. Everyone go buy it. Oh, wait, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, no, no. Lay's favorite books had two copies last time I was in in downtown Sunnyvale. Excellent. I love Lee. Yeah, Lee's, Lee's book is sorry. awesome. She is, she, yeah. is, she is the favorite. She is my favorite bookseller. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, so, you were talking about... Well, I was going to say, in, in such an instance, um, and this may be a question more for you, Judith, on the legal side, I, I understand in a collection you kind of own your own stories, of course, and if you're the own editor, who owns things and rights to it? Did you get a publisher for it? Did you go out and find a, I mean, Le did Lethe Press oh, yeah. publish it? Lethe Press published it, um, which I think means that Lethe Press owns the copyright for that collection, while I still own the copyright for all the individual stories. Yeah. If you assigned it in writing. Copyright has to be assigned in writing. So okay. if you wrote a, if you signed a contract with them right. for it, then you may well have assigned your copyright to them. But there is a thin copyright in the arrangement of stories because, of as, as pointed out, it, you have to select them. Right? Yeah. They have to match kind yes. of thematically. And so there is a thin level of copyright in that selection, how different you, from the underlying works. Copyright. Right, but how do you... How do, I mean, how thin is that copyright? Or what, what does thinness mean in this sense of copyright thinness means how how broad is your protection so for example someone else selects a bunch of your stories yes. and there's some overlap yes it's not likely to be a copyright issue okay. even though they overlap somewhat but if they have the same set of stories in the same order then potentially you have a copyright violation of the anthology as a copyright okay. rather than your individual works. yes um there was i don't know the details so i'm not even going to ask you to pronounce on them but I know um, back in the day, um, 30, 
some years ago. Um, I was friends with a poet and an editor who had edited a collection of First World War poetry, which, yeah, it was long since out of copyright, you would think. Um, but somebody else who had edited a collection of First World War poetry sued him um, because he thought that he had the, the right to these particular editions of these particular poems. It was horribly complicated. And, and John just apologised and withdrew rather than yeah. fighting it. And in the end, that's, I think, one of the biggest things that you need to realise about yeah. all of these legal conflicts, yeah. which is that in the end, the best option often is to say, oh, so off. sorry, yeah. goodbye, yeah, absolutely. rather than fight. Yeah. Because he probably had a reasonable argument. Yeah. But is it worth the fight? Yeah. And I suppose it's to have the money to pursue the there, fight is always exactly, going to be there yes. too. There yes. is always the money thing. Okay. So in the end, I'm kind of piecing it backwards. The yeah, person sorry. who owns the book cover owns the rights in that order, whether or not flashing back on trademark of a series. Nobody trademarks books. Well, there's a question. How about the Thieves World sets? Okay. I know. Absolutely. But Dangerous Minds, Robert, for example, the apologies are absolutely that, that tagline is almost certainly a trademark. I Whether was, they registered it or not, there's a right. trademark there. Or uh, oh, yeah, I was wondering about the can thieves. Can you have world, a trademark that hasn't yeah. been registered? Oh yes, trademarks have nothing to do with registration, much like copyrights. Yeah. Um, it's about use in commerce. Remember, so that means if you are using it in commerce to identify your product, then it has a trademark. It's called a common law trademark. Okay, so so trademark can happen without you actually going through the legal steps. To That's exactly it. right. Trademark registration is just it's yeah. Yeah, okay, I and I put links. I put links on this. So uh, uh, last week, yep. if anybody wants to go out and look at, I guess it was uh, two weeks ago's episode. Now, shoo, that was back at seven, episode seven. I put links on. I went and looked up how to do how to register a, a copyright, how to register because I was sure that somebody would have to look. And so, you, Chaz, you have to go look at our very own website now to look at <laughs> no, the don't make I me know. go to the website. Well, I know. Is that www Writers right. drinking coffee dot com. com. <laughs> also, also, I would just like to point out that Judith, you're talking about American copyright law. Chaz, um, in this was under British uh, copyright law. Yeah, but we we talked about that some last oh. week because I was horribly confused about how Sherlock Holmes, who is a completely British creation, his. The decision about when he was, he fell out of copyright came to an American court. Um, this still strikes me as bizarre. Oh, it is. Um, but <laughs> there you go. So that's that's for a collection then of you putting together. Mm. Now, yeah. on the other side of anthologies, yeah. you know, more of the Thieves World. Although I think Thieves World is going to be an interesting combination there because Robert Lynn Aspirin and all went out and said, hey, to all of his buddies, write one. I've set up this world, you know, much like the Poddington Project. I've set up this world, write a story and put it in, and there's more than one volume. So I think Thieves' World might be then, if I have this right, trademarked as a series. So if you buy a Thieves' World book, you know it's of that series, right? You got it. Yes! Woo! Okay. Uh, so you, I'm, I'm learning something or awesome. Or do you know, you know, Honor Harrington Universe or... 
George R. R. Martin actually has a a um, shared world too of what called wild cards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have I have many friends have written for yes. the wild card. Carrie Vaughn, my friend out in Colorado, has some good stories out there. As does Kevin, right? Yep. Kevin Andrew. Kevin. Uh, Kevin Andrew Murphy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So. And yeah, so that's that makes sense that that is a trademark because I can't personally spontaneously write a collection of stories and call them wild cards in that general style that because would be that's tricky. well yeah. no because yes. no wait wait a minute uh, no nope. because <laughs> because if you wrote a collection of stories so you have a volume you can call the volume wild cards because it's a title it's not a trademark. Because you yeah, but they would see. Cannot, like, a, wait, wait! You cannot copyright a title. That is no. correct. I that mean, is co- true. But George R. R. Martin makes a fuck ton of money more than I do. Yes. Yeah. And the idea of going up against somebody with a fuck ton of money in in court. Yeah, yeah. But hang on. He's I'll, going to win. We established yeah. well, last time or the time before. Yeah. That you can't copyright a title. Right. But you can trademark a series. That's right. And Wild Cards is a series, That's right. so that has a trademark on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you then call an individual book that is not a series Wild Cards? So with trademarks, yes. the question is, will a consumer be confused? Right. And so if you have a book in the science fiction section mm-hmm. with that title, your mm-hmm. odds are pretty good that you're going to be creating confusion. Especially if it was a collection of my stories about people with clever little abilities here yeah. or there, for instance. Uh, uh, it was slightly nudging up against the context of... You know, you know. the purpose but, of... But, yeah, but exactly. if, you, if she wrote a, you know, a, a book about her career playing poker, Certainly. probably not a problem. And then it wouldn't be because it's not going in the science fiction yes, section. It's not either. likely to cause confusion. You should right. totally go and have a career playing poker. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's yes. and and there's I was trying to find something thematic. Yeah. <laughs> and and with that clarity, I wanted to to dig just a little bit deeper into the idea of there's a lot of anthologies, and when it brings us back to anthologies, that's a way to it's an open door, like. I recommend for the new writers, there's a lot of people have said, how do I, where do I sell a story? Where yeah. do I even submit a story? Yeah. So there's, there's sites out there like Duotrope and others um, that go out and surf all of these sites for you, like the New England Journal of this and the, you know, Clark's World and Asimov's and yes. all of these I'm online stories like this. They're looking and, and right. the neat thing about it is you get those now. Your odds of having your first ever story that you ever read picked up right away by Absimov or Clark's World are, well, if you didn't, it was, I don't want to know you, or I'm going to slap you or buy you a lot of drinks. I don't know. This woman who I met when she was two years old and is the daughter of Kate Elliott. Her name is Rhiannon Rasmussen Silverstein. Uh, Her very first story was for the um, Women Destroy Science Fiction Anthology, and it was marvelous. So this does happen, and it does happen to people that I know, and I love her dearly for it, and I'm jealous as hell. But, but it's still rare. But that's still not Asimov's. It's that's still, still not Asimov's. Clark's world. Yeah. That's still not some of the big names in the genre field. It's not. What was it? It was was it Strange Horizons? Or I can't remember. Uncanny. It was. I can't, you know, it's Uncanny, it's just the different no. tiers of where they are. Of like, right. what's the professional? And so that's why I started saying for me when I was figuring out. How do I know I know I'm succeeding because I am a middle-aged woman going down the path of wanting to be a writer as opposed to being the 
18-year-old enthusiastic yeah, yeah, yeah. jazz. So this well, is this is your KPIs. So this is when I started are. talking about KPIs. The first one was, could anybody on, please... Explain, explain the KPI? Key performance indicators. How do you know you're winning? Yeah, how do you know on your right path? So you say, so you pick, how do I know? Okay. I picked, how do I, I know? Sold, I've sold the story. But you've you've got to have the performance part. You've got to say how long it took, how much did you make, you know, what, what matters. Oh, I, I went a little bit back. I went, I went simpler than that, yeah. actually. My, my first one was finding out that if I wanted to get an agent, they somebody, I had to have a list of all of the places that I'd been published. And you'll notice that sentence had a plural on it, all of the places I'd been published. So the idea was if I was just been published, oh, self-published on my own personal blog, I wasn't sure that an agent was going to take me seriously. Probably not. So my first thing was to go out and check out Tight Beam Online Magazine because, again, knowing somebody is good, and I happen to know the editor of that was Dave Speakman. And I sent him a story, and he said, why, yes, fabulous. I'd be delighted to publish it. Hooray, says I, seeing my name in print, got it, sent a copy to my mom. But that wasn't enough. So then the next one was, okay, here is an anthology that's looking for stories about zombies, and it's going to pay royalties, which means you're not going to see you're any money. You're not going to get any money. You're not going to get any money. So yeah. I just want everybody to know that royalties yeah. out there, yeah, maybe if your name is Sean and McGuire and Chaz Brinchley and you know, so that you'll see royalties. But for all those of us that are like royalties, but also with other people that we haven't heard of, like I haven't heard of me, maybe I haven't heard of them. The odds of me getting royalties, especially if the cover art is crap, are very, very small. I was going to say, that was the book with that cover yeah, art, wasn't Yeah, it? I actually so went back and submitted it later to the, did you know that there's a contest for worst covers? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Nice. Tell us more. I, I found out that there is, is out there every Ouch. single year, they look at all of the worst covers and you can submit them saying, oh dear God, this is the worst art. I think this was the equivalent of my, my nephew in high school before he took the art class did this cover. So I had yeah. one of those. It was and, technically my first ever published book. But it was, there you go, but it's out yeah. there. So then yeah. there's the next set is we can't all have such a beautiful cover as Bitter Waters. Oh my so. God, that is so pretty. Say it again. <laughs> what, you have to tell me the artist, though. I'm going I don't to. Know. Tell me Say the artist again. of Bitter Waters. Yeah, the, the artist for the cover of Bitter Waters is a woman called Elizabeth Leggett, who lives, I think, in New Mexico and is just freaking awesome. I, and everybody, uh, she is a Hugo winner, and everybody should just pile upon her and demand art. I, 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 we're going to have to have her do the art for John's book. Hell yeah. Um, mm. Kind of. <laughs> no, John, John's book, sorry, complete digression here, very formulaic. YA Westerns, the, the art She can art do that. Is, uh, she can do anything. She's I awesome. I believe it. I believe it. Well, and, and so the next step was semi-pro because Eventually, I had a, jo a goal of joining CIFWA, which stands for Science Fiction Fantasy Writers of America. I didn't know that I wanted to join CIFWA, but somebody else said they wanted to try to join CIFWA, and I decided <laughs> that I just had to beat them. So that was that was my. I, I went and asked Kit, I'm like, what 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 involved with CIFWA? And there's well, there's a lot of forums. I see. I said. 
But I joined anyway, just because, but all so, right. But that was part of your... <laughs> it was competitive. Per- it was part of your key performance indicator. Absolutely. Join before this person. and Or just be able to join a professional association. I bet there's one for thriller writers that I'm going to have to go find out there that how do I get into it? Probably. Same general idea. Mm-hmm. So... And this is the, now I have been paid a certain number of professional times for stories. That for me, when I'm querying new agents, I can say, ah, my name is Jeannie. Here is my story. Well, query letters will cover under a whole different thing. But here is my repertoire of this is what I have succeeded in writing and publishing so far. So you're not dealing with a total noob. So you're going to get somebody who's taken editing and taken it on the chin and knows how to deal with it. This is my track record. This is my track record. It also means that maybe I've done one or two contracts and signed and read them and I'm not going to freak out because yeah. I presume people still freak out over contracts, people right? People totally over... freak out over contracts. Yeah. Um, people freak out over contracts even more these days than they used to when I was a baby writer um, because when I was a baby writer, um, there were certain model contracts and you could look at them and understand them all the way through. Um, and I used to know what I was talking about in the matter of contracts, probably until the change of millennium. Um, and then they became more complicated because ebook rights and da 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 and lots of other stuff started happening. And and they started changing because um, publishers became more aware that world rights were more significant these days than they used to be, um, and 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 um, and yeah, I I, I guess I, yeah I could see that and and Judith, you mean, tell me if I'm crazy here, but I know. Kindle and Amazon will do their best to handle what countries you want to do for you, but yeah. do they protect you or? No, they protect themselves. Yes. <laughs> they protect you, no. Um, but you're probably giving them sole rights to publish in those countries, yeah. which you can be just fine with if you are fine with that. But it is something to be aware of, especially right. if there's a particular translator, for example, you might want to use, or a particular any other particulars you have about your international publication. Right. Because we're, we're kind of hitting that point where you say in the world, I want to publish it there, but... There are fewer American readers per capita than there are in other countries. So it might be an interesting thing to start looking at all of the other places that people read more than they do here. Well, which there, is, I think, all of the other places. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are there are books that you books written in English that are sold in the United States that people in England can't buy because that publisher did not have the right yeah. to publish that book in English in England, for example. Um, you know, and vice versa. You know, it, it depends on what your contract is. So that's also nice, though, that if you can get an agent in the United States and an agent, an agent in the UK and have two versions of it and, you know, et cetera. The and, tricky thing is I think you need to start with one in your own. And and I don't want to get, because that's a whole different another episode that we're going to have to do. On, yeah. we can do I, I, oh, I my have, God, we're going to have to keep talking. I Hooray. have two agents in yeah. different continents. It's fabulous. I'm so jealous. And awful. And, um, and and yes, we can talk about that. But the nice thing about having an agent is they are the ones who negotiate for you. Yes. So I'm afraid our time is up for this element of the discussion. Although, as is usual, 
There's more to talk about, so we'll try to put the links to the interesting things we mention on the website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com, no capitals. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll answer email. You can email from the website, but you can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. You have been listening to Writers, Writers Drinking Coffee and Wine, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is Dave Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking a Cow, and our outro music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Enberg. You can hear more from Michael Enberg on Spotify. Today's sponsor is Lee's Favorite Books, our favorite bookstore on Murphy Street in Sunnyvale. We should definitely tell Lee that they're sponsoring us. Yes. (laughs)